Welcome to the Christ the King podcast. I am Pastor Michael McGinley of Christ the King Lutheran Church, and we are a congregation of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod right here in Spencer, Iowa, coming to you this, the 24th of October, on the 21st Sunday after Trinity. And as we do now at the beginning of the intro to these podcasts, we will look to the Divine Service Catechesis on top of the Congregation of Prayer, which you can find in the show notes. Now, throughout our time in this introduction of the Divine Service Catechesis, we've talked about how in the Western Church, the Divine Service was corrupted in the Middle Ages and continued to be corrupted in the emerging Roman Church coming out of the Council of Trent. We've also talked about how Protestants, the non-Lutheran Reformers, then corrupted the divine service in other ways by their false teachings. But we haven't yet covered the Anglicans, which we'll do today. The Anglicans find their unity in the Book of Common Prayer, but depending on which Anglican church you may attend or go to, the worship can vary. So within the Anglican church, they refer to their different ways of worshiping as either high church or low church. Now, these terms have been really in our day, misused to describe worship services outside the Anglican church. So you'll hear someone say a congregation is high church if it uses a lot of ceremonies and rites and maybe things like incense, chanting, so on. And then people will use the word low church to describe how those services which are plain or simple or some use it to describe contemporary services in this way. But properly used, it's used in the Anglican Church. And the way high and low church is described is a bit different. High church in the Anglican Church are those churches that have more of a Roman Catholic understanding of theology and worship. You'll sometimes hear them called Anglo-Catholics. And so there will be more ceremonies and rites than the low churches, because they believe and practice much like Rome except, of course, for the understanding of who is the head of the church and what the papacy is. Low churches within Anglicanism have more of a Calvinistic understanding of theology and worship, and their services reflect that. So there would be no pictures, paintings, icons, no crosses, no statues, no incense, so on. The service would be very much simplified, and there would be the removal of all tradition, as they, do, as they would say is not in Scripture. So, due to the complicated history of the Anglican Church from Henry VIII onwards to today, you have part of the Church which is more Roman, and therefore called High Church, and another part that is more Calvinist or Reformed, and is therefore called Low Church. So, all the corruption of the divine service that we've spoken of uh, in the weeks past apply here, whether it's high church Anglican or low church Anglican. Now, what's interesting about the Reformation that happened in England is that Luther and the Lutheran Reformers held much sway early on. So early in the Reformation in England, many of the changes of the Lutheran Reformers when it comes to the divine service, they translated a lot of that into English, especially for their Book of Common Prayer. Now, when the Lutheran reformers went to reform the divine service, which we also call the Mass, it required some changes. The first being how the service is viewed. So under the reformers, the chief element of the service, as we've said, is that which is sacramental, where God speaks to us, where he gives us his gifts of salvation. So that which is sacrificial, that was not the chief element. That was our response to what God does for us. 
And then next to that, the other major change to the service under the Reformers was that the service began to be conducted in the vernacular, that is, in the language which the people spoke. It was no longer in Latin, at least most of it was no longer in Latin. And what we've seen throughout history is that every church body in the West followed this practice. The other non-Lutheran reformers began worshiping in the language of the people pretty much right away. Rome, of course, took a bit more time, but they did begin worshiping in the language of the people after Vatican II in the last half of the 20th century. And the other change that the reformers made was they added the general prayer for the prayer of the church. And the general prayer is what we have in this podcast. You can see it in the prayers later on. And they added an exhortation as well to the start of the service of the sacrament. So where I say, may the Lord be with you, and then the congregation responds back and with your spirit. And so with all that covered from the congregation of prayer, let us now turn to our matin service with the hymn, Triune God, Be Thou Our Stay.
open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The true God, one in three, and three in one. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, Never shall be world without end. Amen. The true God, one in three and three in one. O come, let us worship him. In thy will are all things, O Lord, and there is none that can resist thy will. For thou hast made all things, heaven and earth, and all things that are under the cup of heaven. Thou art Lord of all. Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Establish thy word unto thy servant, who is devoted to thy fear. Turn away my reproach which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Behold, I have longed for thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In thy will are all things, O Lord, and there is none that can resist thy will. For thou hast made all things, heaven and earth, and all things that are under the cope of heaven. Thou art Lord of all. The Old Testament lesson for this 21st Sunday after Trinity is written in the first and second chapters of Genesis, beginning at the first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was at the surface of the deep, and God's Spirit was hovering over the surface of the waters. God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light and saw that it was good. God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. 
There was evening and there was morning the first day. God said, Let there be an expanse in the middle of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. God made the expanse and divided the waters which were under the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse. And it was so. God called the expanse heaven. There was evening and there was morning the second day. God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together to one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. God saw that it was good. God said, Let the earth yield grass, herbs yielding seeds, and fruit trees bearing fruit after their kind, with their seeds in it, on the earth. And it was so. The earth yielded grass, herbs yielding seed after their kind, and trees bearing fruit with their seeds in it after their kind. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning the third day. God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs to mark seasons, days, and years. And let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light to the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from darkness. God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning the fourth day. God said, Let the waters abound with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. God created the large sea creatures and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarmed, after their kind, and every winged bird after its kind. God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. There was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. God said, Let the earth produce living creatures after their kind, livestock, creeping things, and animals of the earth after their kind. And it was so. God made the animals of the earth after their kind, and the livestock after their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. God saw that it was good. God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In God's image, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God said, Behold, 
I have given you every herb yielding seed which is on the surface of all the earth, and every tree which bears fruit yielding seed. It will be your food. To every animal of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. The heavens, the earth, and all their vast array were finished. On the seventh day, God finished his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because he rested in it from all his work of creation which he had done. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever Thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, Thou art God. The epistle is written in the sixth chapter of Ephesians, beginning at the tenth verse. Brothers, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the powers, against the world's rulers of the darkness of this age, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having the utility belt of truth buckled around your waist, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having fitted your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God.
Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, O Lord, deal with thy servant according unto thy mercy, and teach me thy statutes. I am thy servant. Give me understanding, that I may know thy testimonies. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. John, the fourth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus came therefore to Cana of Galilee, where he made the water into wine. There was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and begged him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Jesus therefore said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will in no way believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went his way. As he was now going down, his servants met him and reported, saying, Your child lives. So he inquired of them the hour which he began to get better. They said therefore to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. He believed, as did his whole house. This is again the second sign that Jesus did, having come out of Judea into Galilee. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Every week is a journey. For us Christians, every week begins with us hearing at the altar, depart in peace. As we then leave the altar and go out into the world, to our homes and families, our neighborhoods and jobs. Although we leave the altar and the service with this word of peace, the weeks give us anything but peace. Instead, they give us violence, frustration, restless nights. And so, as we return to the altar after long, stressful weeks, we come in and return feeling anything but peaceful, but dead tired. Every week is a journey, and never an easy one, never a peaceful one. In our gospel this morning, this journey is exactly what the royal official is traveling upon. And if we follow the journey of this official, we will see his journey happens in three legs, in three parts. The first leg of his journey happens in the opening verses, where it says, Jesus came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Now, this first leg of the official's journey is one of sorrow, one which starts at the point of death. Now, this official is somehow connected to royalty. He's connected to King Herod or to Caesar, and either he's a relation or a soldier or a staff, we don't know. But he's official royalty, which means he has everything he could want or need at his disposal. Yet all of that is for naught. Because even though he has every material good he could want, none of it can help as he watches his poor little boy become sick and come to the point of death, the brink of death. And truthfully, when the official leaves on his journey of sorrow, the boy is really all but dead which makes this a journey of death. This man, this father, he's desperate. No doubt if he could give his own life for his sons, he would. What he wants is life. Ultimately, what he wants is life for his son, for his household, and for himself. So when he hears that Jesus has traveled from Judea and is now in Galilee, about 20 miles away, the father begins his journey. And we can imagine how he left, hastily packing his things in his bag, kissing his wife and child goodbye, and going as quickly as he can out the door, onto the roads, and over the hills, and over rough terrain, without ever stopping, with only one thought in his mind the whole time, which is getting to Jesus to save his son. On this journey of sorrow, there is no sleep for him. There is no stopping for fatigue or weather. There's just moving forward through the tears. And we know that this father is desperate. After all, he is a royal official. He could have sent anyone under his command to go summon our Lord, but he goes himself because he's desperate. And we know that this father, while not full of strong faith, still has at least a weak and small faith. Because why else would he go? 
Why else would he leave his boy's final moments if he thought that Jesus could not heal him? Well, finally, this man reaches his destination on this journey of sorrow and death, which is him on his knees at our Lord's feet. Now, our text says that the man asked Jesus to come down and heal his son, but that doesn't quite capture the, the feeling of the Greek here. Instead, the picture here is of, a, of the man beseeching, begging Jesus to come with him to heal his son. This man is not calm. Again, he's desperate. He's begging in prayer to the Lord. This man is like a soldier going to war without any armor or weapon. He is scrambling. He's without protection, without hope, without peace, as he fights without armor or weapon for his family, his son. And that is how his journey of sorrow ends with these words of Christ, which say, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. You see here, our Lord is not speaking to just this man. The you in the the Greek here is plural. As if you were to say, unless all of you see signs and wonders, none of you will believe. And at first it sounds like Jesus is chastising him and us. But that's not it. Instead, what Jesus is saying is this. None of you will believe until I have revealed myself to you through signs and wonders. As if we were to say, my dear man, my dear people, you want your son healed and given life from a sickness. Let me reveal to you who I am and I will give you that and much, much more. Such is our journey, just like this man's. Each week, for one reason or another, each week turns into a journey of sorrow and death, whether from illness or divorce or the death of a loved one, stress, fighting, arguing, frustration at home at work, or the weight of our own sin. We find ourselves each week like this man on a journey of sorrow, in a battle with death without any armor or weapons of our own. We come in here to church before the feet of our Lord, begging and beseeching our Lord for his peace, waiting at the end of this journey of sorrow for our Lord to reveal himself in his signs and wonders so we may believe, so we may have peace. In our text, as this man finishes his journey of sorrow, he then begins the second leg, the second part of his journey. This part is the journey of hope. And in the text, his journey starts with this. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went his way. Go, your son lives. With these words, with these very four short words, the man sets out on his way back home to his son. But this journey of hope, it's not like the journey of sorrow in which he just came to Jesus. The man came believing Jesus could heal his son. The man left believing Jesus' words that his son lives, that his son has been given life. 
Now imagine this man's journey home. We imagined it from home to Jesus, Jesus, but imagine it from Jesus to home. It is 20 miles between Galilee and Capernaum, over many hills and rough terrains. He took the journey in sorrow and haste to get to Jesus, but now leaving our Lord, he begins the journey believing in our Lord's word, in the peace of this word. Yet even as he believes, it's a 20-mile journey that will take time. He'll have to spend the night before he gets home, which means the devil has plenty of opportunities over 20 miles, overnight and into the morning, to attack. It gives the devil plenty of opportunities to make this man doubt the word Jesus spoke, to get into the man's head. And you can imagine what the devil says over these 20 miles. As if he gets in the man's head and says, Did Jesus really say your son lives? He's not alive. When you get back, he'll be dead. For 20 miles, the devil got to shoot his fiery arrows at this man. And yet, by Jesus' word here, the man's faith was strengthened and it grew. He believed that entire 20-mile journey of hope in the word of Christ. Now, how can that be? How can a man who was so weak in faith before he begged Jesus to come down to Capernaum now be so confident in Christ's word? It's because as the man came to save his son and find life for his son, our Father in heaven sent his son to die and give us life. That is what is happening As the fever released this young child from the stranglehold of death, Jesus is taking the young child's place and our place as well. Our Lord gives his life for the life of this child. He takes the boy's death and our death to the cross to die for the sin of the world. Just as in the beginning God created everything through his Son by the Spirit, so here at the cross God creates everything anew by the death of his Son incarnate and the Spirit which brings Christ's life and righteousness to us. And we know this is true, because three days after he died, our Lord rose from the dead as the Father proclaimed, My Son lives. And now from that cross and open grave, that proclamation, that word of God goes out to this man and says to him, Your Son lives. And it goes out to us from the waters of baptism, where when we rise from the waters, the Father in heaven proclaims, You, you, my son, live. Just as the man started his journey of hope at these words, Your son lives. So we start our journey of hope from the font at these words, You, my son, you live. With this word of Christ, the man fastened the belt of truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness, and walked in the shoes of peace. With the word of Christ, this man was protected by the word and the spirit, so that when the devil shot his fiery darts, the man could simply extinguish them on this journey with the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. This man was now armed with Jesus' word, so that every time the devil attacked, The man could counterattack back with the sword and the spirit and tell the devil, No, you wicked serpent, get back, for my Lord said, Your son lives. 
This man's journey is also our journey of hope throughout our lives. For as we journey each week from the font to the altar, we travel for six days while constantly being attacked by the ancient foe. And what is our defense? How do we fight back? Without any armor or weapon of our own, we take up the armor and weapon of God. With the word of God in our baptism, with the word of God we hear from the pulpit, which says, you, my son, live. This is why, my dear catechumens, I so very much push for you to get into the practice of being in the scripture and praying daily. This is why, my dear congregation, I so very much push for you to use things like the congregation at prayer or the treasury of daily prayer or other devotions throughout the week so that every day, so that by doing this every day, the word of God in your baptism, and the word of God in the pulpit, and the word of God which you read and hear every day may defend the peace you are given each and every Sunday here at church. For in the church and at the altar, that's where you receive our Lord's peace. And during the week, it is the word of the Lord which defends this peace that you have been given from the cross. When I ask you to read scripture and pray daily, I'm not asking you to focus on your good works. What I'm doing is asking you to every day find rest in the scriptures, to receive the peace that the scriptures offer, to put on the armor from the scriptures, which will defend this peace and the sword, which comes from the word, which will fight for this peace. The world and the devil are far too strong for us alone. The only way we survive, the only way this man survived on this journey of hope is with the armor and sword of the word and spirit. And then finally, in our gospel, the second leg of this man's journey ends and the third leg begins when he is met by his servants with this good news. Your son lives. Now begins the last leg of his journey, the journey of the return in peace. As he hears his servant's words, as he realizes his son was given life, the moment Jesus spoke those words, as he sees his little son living and playing like a small child should, as he sees this full sign and wonder of Christ, he sees Jesus for who he fully is fully God and fully man, the Son sent by the Father to die so that his Son and his household may live. He sees in the sign and wonder, in the word that Christ gave him, his Redeemer and Savior. And with Christ having fully revealed himself to this man, with Christ's word having created the faith in this man to cling to his Savior, the man fully believes, as does all of his household. And that completes his journey at home, where he and his family are full of faith and life. As it will be for us on the final leg of our journey in this life. Every week our journey ends by the servant of God's house telling us, You, a son of God, live as he tells us, take, eat, 
This is the body of Christ given for you. Take drink. This is the blood of Christ poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. Here at the altar, every Sunday morning, our journey ends on this last lake. This journey of returning in peace is completed as we partake in this supper, in this foretaste of the feast to come. And this journey, the man's journey in our gospel and our journey from the font to the altar, also shows us the last leg of the journey in our life. At the end of your life, when you leave this journey of hope, you will be met on the way by the servants of God, his holy angels, who will tell you, you, son of God, live as they carry you to the bosom of Abraham before the feet of our Lord. Or should our Lord return while we live, it will be his same holy angels in the resurrection who tell you that you live in Christ as they carry you to him. And there, your journey of return in peace will end in a new body with your Lord to be with him for eternity, in his house, the new heavens and the new earth, where we will all live in life and peace with him forever. In the sign of his resurrection, our Lord shows us who he is, the Lord of life, the Prince of peace, our Savior, our Redeemer. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, end our journey, and bring us to life and peace with you for all our days. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
risk upon thee to deliver me when it's humble thyself to be born of a virgin and thou hadst overcome the sharpness of death thou didst open the kingdom of heaven to all believers thou sittest at the right hand of God mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Unto thee have I cried, O Lord, and in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. Let thy mouth be filled with thy praise, and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me, O God, a clean heart, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Vouchsafe, O Lord, this day, to keep us without sin. O Lord, have mercy upon us, have mercy upon us. O Lord, let thy mercy be upon us, as our trust is in thee. Hear my prayer, O Lord and let my cry come unto thee. Lord, 
we beseech you to keep your household, the church, in continual godliness, that through your protection she may be free from all adversities and devoutly given to serve you in good works to the glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. 
As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We bless the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Praise Him and magnify Him forever. We give thanks unto Thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, Thy dear Son, that Thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech Thee to preserve and keep us, this day also, from all sin and evil, and that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please Thee. Into Thy hands we commend our bodies and souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
Thank you for joining us for this Matins podcast. We're so glad you could be with us. And we ask that you join us again next week as we celebrate the Festival of the Reformation, which this year falls on a Sunday, October 31st, next Sunday. We'd love to have you with us. All the music for this podcast comes from smallchurchmusic.com. We encourage all of our listeners to look us up on Facebook under Christ the King Lutheran Church in Spencer or at CTK Spencer. If you enjoyed this service, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast, tell a friend, or leave a review wherever you listened. If you would like to be on our mailing list for these podcasts or would like to leave feedback, you can contact us on Facebook or at the email addresses at the top of the bulletin, which is included in a link with this podcast. That's all for this week. Until next time, go forth and serve the Lord. I am Pastor Michael McGinley, signing off.